What's up, copy chiefs? If you're listening to my voice right now, I bet you'd like to know how you can join Copy Chief. And if you go to the website right now, you'll see that there is a waiting list. But guess what? I've got something special for you for being a Copy Chief Radio listener. When you go to copychiefradio.com right now, you'll be able to skip the line and join us all inside Copy Chief. So head on over to Copy Chief Radio right now and you can skip the line and join us. This program is brought to you by thepodcastfactory.com. Welcome back, Chiefs, to another edition of Copy Chief Radio. Back in your ear holes with more edumacation, Mr. Kevin Rogers. What's up? What's up? Hey, Jonathan. Good to be back with you, my friend. Uh, hey, this is cool. You know, um, some of the most popular episodes we've done here in Copy Chief Radio are about story, right? We had uh, Aaron Crocker here teaching us how to use uh, emotional story for health fitness, you know, reports. Uh, we had um, Henry Bingaman told us the seven stories that every seven light, every sales letter needs. That was really cool. And today uh, we're going to continue with that, like, super top quality story uh, usage, uh, learning, story learning with our man, AJ Silvers, who's a member of Copy Chief and uh, really experienced uh, direct response copywriter. He's also an NLP practitioner. We could do a whole episode on that alone. And I'd actually love to have AJ back to, to have that episode. But today um, we're going to talk about flash fiction. AJ teaches fiction writing and he's a tremendous fiction writer. We're going to talk about how flash fiction will increase the power of your copy. So, AJ, thanks for being here, brother. No, thank you. I've been uh, a long-time listener, so really looking forward to uh, sharing some knowledge with uh, with everyone listening in. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about it. You, you, I hadn't read your fiction until um, just recently. You sent me over some samples, and man, I was super impressed. Uh, so much to fiction writing. Uh, it's, it, it, would you say it's like a different, totally different headspace or, uh, uh, similar to copywriting? I think there's a big overlap in that, um, all good fiction is a form of sales copywriting in that we're selling an idea, we're selling a world view, and that might be, you know, in a science fiction or a magical fantasy realm, a completely different world. But if you look at any of the great novels, any of the great stories or, or the great screenplays that get written, they're selling us a particular way of looking at a character or a set of events. So I think the two are far closer aligned than most people experience. And if you if you think about some of the best, um, some of the classic swipe headlines, uh, you've already read some flash fiction. And if you're a copywriter and you've written some of these headlines, You've already written flash fiction, perhaps without realizing what you've been doing. Mm. All right. So why don't, let's start with the definition of uh, flash fiction. What is that anyway? 
<laughs> with most literature definitions, there's a wide range, but uh, the general consensus is it's a story that's consumed in one sitting. So you could be anything from the uh, urban legend of Hemingway's six-word story to uh, there's, a, there's a big sort of um, Twitter literature uh, where you have to tell your story in 140 characters. But most people tend to focus on things like uh, word limits. You might have a 99-word count story. Uh, if you work in the 750 to 500 words, technically it's called sudden fiction. Uh, and that's the, the area I like to, to work in because you get enough scope to develop a character without having to resort to the standard sort of setup punch, a bit like uh, the comedy used to do, I imagine. You have the narrative joke and then you have the, you know, the one-liner. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes me think of, you're talking about, you know, six-word literature, that kind of stuff. But a lot of people uh, define as the perfect joke, take my wife, please, you know, four, four words. And hmm. uh, it's just because it, it contains every element of what you would consider a perfect joke. Uh, so it's amazing. Uh, and it's just a quickly side note. Uh, I was watching uh, 60 minutes was profiling social media millionaires, right? These YouTube kids and, and vine stars. And the reporter was saying to one of the vine stars, come on, six seconds. How do you make an impact in six seconds? And, and the, and the kid said, he said, I can make you laugh in six seconds. I can make you cry in six seconds. I can make you think or take an action in six seconds. And the guy said, come on. And he goes, I could do it in four. <laughs> <laughs> and why that struck me was it's it, when you're given limitations, you begin to discover how much you can do with those limitations. And so while six seconds seems an impossible amount of time to have an impact, uh, to him, he doesn't even need the extra two at this point because he's done it so much, right? So I completely uh, agree. I think constraints like a short word count actually liberate your creativity because um, they force you to make every word count or every second count if you're on Vine, I guess. Yeah, great point. Okay, cool. So um, uh, let's talk about uh, flash fiction versus other types of story. Well, I think one of the reasons I'm a big fan of uh, flash fiction is because it it's that concentration. It's the sort of prose equivalent of your haiku in the poetry world. You have no space. Every word has to count. Um, and I was looking up some classic headlines this afternoon in advance of this call. You're probably familiar with the uh, John Capels, probably one of the most swiped headlines. They laughed when I sat down at the piano, but when I started to play... That's flash fiction, in a sense. You've created an entire scene. And for me, the power of adding fiction to copywriting, specifically in the sales copywriting, is that facts can be quite um, isolating. But when you put the fact in a story, we give it context, we give it meaning. And stories have a, a, another benefit in that we're used to consuming stories as infotainment, uh, as entertainment. And when we were children, it was how we were taught social norms. So uh, critical filters tend to switch off when we're reading a story. And incorporating your stories into copy has that same effect. And whether it's, you know, a 100,000 word science fiction novel, or it's a six word Hemingway-esque uh, pithy one-liner, uh, one in both senses, you, you're trying to do the same thing. You're trying to move the reader from point A to point B. 
Right. Right. And suck them into what comes next. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a fantastic book called Wired for Story by Lisa Cron. And she took some uh, brain imagery and applied it to readers as they were going through various fiction experiences. And it's a book I think every copywriter should read, whether you want to write fiction or not. One of the things they found was something that uh, a neuroscientist called mirror neurons. So when someone read an account of a story of a particular experience happening, the same neurons fired in their cortex as though they were doing the the, the same event. Mm. So you can instantly bypass, as I said, people's sort of objections, critical filters, and induce the experience, you know, the fear of walking up to the piano or the, the, the proud response after you demonstrate that, hey, I actually, you know, I can play this thing. Um, and stories, I think, are more powerful than traditional technical orientated copy where you've got feature benefit, feature benefit, because feature benefits, you know, it could be a car brochure. But when you're reading a story, mm -hmm. in order to process that story, we have to vicariously relive it. Literally, we recreate that story, which is why I think so much of our um, leisure time is spent in the cinema, watching Netflix, reading a book, because it's that recreation process. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. So so we're actually living vicariously. And, and, and when given the opportunity to fill some downtime, that is what we go to primarily story yeah i mean the netflix binge addiction i think is probably yeah. something most people have experienced and it's it's amazing you get to you know be the superhero of your choice for the weekend yeah yeah it's awesome all right cool so let's talk about as it relates to sales copy we talked about how they're closely related um uh, how does becoming a better fiction writer help then a copywriter write better copy well, i think there are certain key elements are in a traditional uh, sales copy piece that readers are going to need in order to make the decision to buy. So we need some form of proof. Typically, this is in the form of a testimonial. And if you think about it, a testimonial could be quite bland. I bought the product. It was great. Well, that doesn't tell me anything. But if you put the use of the product into a story, explaining what life was like before, what life was like after, I'm a big fan of using uh, the Amazing Grace motif for testimonials. You know, once I was lost and now I was found. Yeah. So a copywriter can speak to a couple of customers of a product or service, find out what life was like before, find out an emotional impact of, of that life, and then how that life was changed by the product or service and induce in the reader the positive emotions associated not with the product, but with life after the product, which is Ultimately, I think what most people buy, you know, we, we don't buy a BMW for the utility of moving around. We buy a BMW for how it's going to make us feel about driving the BMW. Right. And on that note, you, you shared a great uh, film uh, by BMW in Copy Chief recently. Uh, and I, I love that because it was pure uh, emotion, pure story and at the look at the end of that 13 minutes, I never felt like they were trying to sell me a car, but I no. sure as hell wanted the car in that in that film. Absolutely, and they made the car the hero in a very subtle way without ramming it down your throat. As you pointed out in the discussion, we had the car versus the helicopter. I mean, initially you have um, uh, the you know the the conflict of 
what's going to happen. The, the terrorists hook the car up to the helicopter, and you know that there's going to be a fight. You know the helicopter's going to pull against the car. We're rooting for the car to win. And as you say, it's not an advert. It's a story. We're emotionally invested because we want the car to get away so the, the girl in the car gets away. And that's amazing empathy created from something that technically is an advert. Hey, producer Jonathan here, and I know I'm interrupting the program, but it is for a very good reason. If you are not already a member of Copy Chief, then you probably should be. And if you go to the website right now, you can get on the waiting list and maybe get a spot when we open, or you can do the smart thing. Right now, today, you can join Copy Chief by going to copychiefradio.com and you can skip the line. No waiting list. But I got to warn you, you'll only have 30 minutes from the time you land on copychiefradio.com to join. And that's so we don't have any time wasters or scragglers. So make sure that you're absolutely ready. Then go to copychiefradio.com today and join. It's such a bigger way to think about how to connect with people. And someone might say, well, this isn't, you know, uh, it, it gave no features of the car. And what about the tech heads? Well, the tech heads already know the features of the car, right? The, the yeah. gear heads, they, they, they know, they read car and driver and they're up on all that stuff. This is for, and the thing about, like you mentioned about uh, why we buy sports cars really has nothing to do with practicality. It's status. It's a pure emotion. How does it feel to slide into that seat? What does it represent about your journey journey through life, where you yeah. are today? Maybe you grew up imagining what it might be like to have a, a BMW and never thinking you actually could. So it, it's, yeah, like you said, pure emotion. So it makes great sense that they would invest in a 13-minute uh, a really dynamic, high-level James Bond-type looking film to sell sure. the car. And they also embarrassed the Transporter too, because it was a better Transporter than the remake they did. So, <laughs> you, you know, you've got a whole generation of people who like the original film, and now people say, oh, I could be Clive Owen, I could have that getaway. That's an awesome way to finish that kind of sentiment. Yeah, fantastic. That's great. So, um, uh, all right, so let's, you know, if somebody's listening and they go, okay, great, well, I'm disappointed now because I, I get the whole feature benefit thing. I'm, I'm pretty good at writing bullets because they're a little more practical. Or you definitely want some some creative and story type flair in a good bullet. But, you know, can we teach someone uh, to be a great creative writer? Is that possible? It's a great question. I mean, this is one of those debates that rages on in uh, the sort of warring factions in academic universities between the literature department and the creative writing department, the creative writing being a young upstart. Um, my personal belief is, yes, anyone can be taught the creative process. And like any form of writing, whether it's copywriting or content marketing or, or fiction, it's the same sort of nuts and bolts. You sit in front of your typewriter or your laptop uh, Hemingway would say you just bleed on it, but you know you work through the process. Um, if someone's used to writing features of benefits, the same process can be applied to teach them how to write, you know, mini story vignettes. Rather than saying feature equals benefit, you could talk about Jane experiencing life as it is, and then that experience changing because of the product or service. And it's the impact on Jane that becomes the selling point rather than the specific feature or benefit. 
So if you sort of zoom out from the feature and benefits, so how would this product be used? What would the classic experience be with the user? Um, a good example of something we're talking about with colleagues today, Slack. Slack versus email. For the last 15, 20 years, email's been the driving force of most electronic communications. Slack's one of many different messaging platforms, but it's exploded over the last few years. Right. And it, once you use Slack, you're never going to go back to team communications via email. So explaining to someone about, oh, it's a message facility, you're auto-connected, there's a whole bunch of technical gump that no one really cares about. What you care about is my inbox doesn't scare me. I get control of my day. I can be reached or reach people when I need to. It's instantaneous. Actually, it's quite fun. I don't think people ever think of fun and these 6,000 unread emails in their inbox <laughs> in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah, great point, right? Yeah, um, that's a great point. And, and people love Slack because it, it is all those things. And people create Slack channel. It's like uh, your own little Twitter universe or something, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I think what the reason I mentioned Slack is not only is its utility. If you look at the way Slack's been marketed and it's grown to 100 million in revenues a year without pay-per-click advertising, their best adverts were the stories people told other people about how great Slack was. And they didn't say, oh, it's just, you know, uh, Ruby on Rails, whatever the full stack is. I don't know the tech behind it. But people talked about how it changed their life. That's right. a powerful story because if it changed my life and I'm speaking to you and you've never experienced Slack, you right. have a good indication how your life is going to be better. Exactly right. And it's and it's about how will people talk about it to other people, right? Yeah. Because customers are always your best sales team. And if they say, yeah, you know, what's people go Slack? What is Slack? And they go, Oh my God, it's the greatest thing ever. Oh, really? Right? And you're you're talking as like you said about essentially a, a quicker, easier way to email each other in real time. But, but people don't say that. They don't talk about the functionality of it. They go, Oh my God, it's totally revolutionized how we how we do business. What? Yeah. So uh, yeah, great point. Um, I wish we had time for me to read some of the. Um, fiction that you shared with me, the prostitute and the priest. It, <laughs> it, 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 it's so good. I, I, I could just ask you so many questions about this little story on its own. Uh, is it okay with you if we share this in the, in the show, in, in the show notes? Okay, great. So I just want to make a side note that I want everybody listening to this. Uh, AJ in, in as a copywriter, it's AJ Silvers as a fiction writer, you're Damien Silvers, which is your, your real name. Correct. Yes, yes, one of many pen names. Uh, like <laughs> most writers, I'm schizophrenic. So, <laughs> and so you have different pen names, and you write in different different ways, and different voices, and even genres, I guess, for different pen names. Yeah, I mean, well, it's a classic copywriting thing. If you uh, understand your market audience, you want to give your audience something they can relate to. So, I don't think the average audience of, say, the you know frontier fiction I write would appreciate the fact that I'm this geeky literature guy from the UK. They'd much prefer it's uh, an author that's representative of who they are and their values and their systems. Um, so I think for me, from a fiction writing point of view, we do everything we can to reduce any friction that someone might have buying one of our books. Because if they buy one of our books, they're going to buy the other 10 or 20 from that pen name. And you know, that's why we call it a publishing business. Yeah, good point. Uh, and you want to point out that you're you're a real writer. You know, a lot of copywriters talk about the work of fiction they've got going and maybe someday and all that. But, you know, yourself, Ben Settle, 
a few others are actually published authors. And uh, I always appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's in well, again, well, I think the big difference between a writer and uh, someone who writes, uh, especially when it comes to fiction, is that writing is an activity, but being a writer means you can't not write. You know, the stories are kicking and screaming in their heads, desperate to get out, fighting in the queue to be next. That's, for me, the psychology that you normally meet of, uh, of a writer. I think that's why alcoholism is so popular in this profession, because it's one way of quietening all that hubbub down. Yeah, great point. Um, all right, tell me about the National Novel Writing Month. What goes on there? So this happens every November. Um, obviously, by the time this goes out, it's well underway. The, the idea is that you put your entire life on hold for mm. November and you crank out 50,000 words, hopefully good words, in a succinct order, and they create a novel at the end of it. Uh, it's been going for a long time now. It's really good fun if you're not normally able to discipline yourself to chunk the time out to write. I mean, for me, fiction's the thing that happens before anything else of the day, so um, it's quite a natural process. But if you've never done fiction before, there isn't necessarily the goal of just creating, you know, the next Moby Dick. Uh, in fact, I don't think it could probably be done in 30 days. But the idea of uh, chunking out a period of time, one month, at a specific goal, 50,000 words, and then just experiencing what it's like to, as Hemingway said, you know, bleed over your keyboard consistently to the point where you end up with a story that's you know, worthy of someone else reading time. Mm. And so it's, it's sort of like a public accountability motivation tool to get you to finally pump out some actual f fiction. Yeah, I mean, everyone thinks they have a book inside of them. For, yeah. for most people, I think it's just literary indigestion. But NaNoWriMo <laughs> is an opportunity to actually go out and do it. And there's a huge support community. If you're not a traditional, uh, if you're not a, a paid writer, it's not something that you normally do. And you've got family commitments, work commitments, you've got to walk the dog, wash the car, all the other minutiae of life. You're never necessarily going to break out the time to sit down and have a go. Right. But, um, I mean, Neil Merton, a good friend of mine, another copywriter and a great fiction writer, last year sat down and did uh, 31-day short stories. So he did a 99-word short story every day for 30 days. I understand the first week was okay. The second week he was entering hell, and he won't talk about weeks three and four. But <laughs> the, the output was fantastic. He had a really good book. You can find it on Amazon. And um, for him, it was he was saying it was that constriction. Not only was he constricted with 99 words, but he had to do it every damn day. Yeah. And that makes a difference. It's, you know, Pressfield talks about this in The Resistance and Turning Pro and The War of Art. Right. You know, we turn up and work because of the work not because we feel like it because we want to because that's what professionals do awesome so that's uh nanoremo.org n-a-n-o-w-r-i-m-o.org we'll put a link to that in the show notes aj where can people find you if they're interested in injecting some serious story power into their copy uh ajsilvers.com as it says on the tin uh fairly straightforward so um I'm thankful that we have a short waiting list, which is always nice to have as a copywriter. Um, and if people are interested in uh, learning fiction, obviously Amazon's uh, a wealth of uh, books on the subject. But I'd suggest rather than diving off into um, uh, some sort of cold attack of literary wonderfulness, take the current copy you're working on and look at where's the story? Can I create a story in the headline? Is my... Um, you know, hero, what's the archetype of the, the story? Bad boy made good, hero returns. C 
can you weave some narrative narrative elements into your copy? Split tester. I'm confident once you start adding stories to your copy, not only will your clients come back for more, but their their customers will be coming back for more, and it'll have a massive impact on the persuasiveness of your copy moving forward. Great stuff. AJ Silvers, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for these awesome and deep insights into how to become better copywriters through fiction and particularly flash fiction. Look forward to having you back again. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Cheers. So, Kevin, Cheers. what do you have coming up for next time? Uh, next, our friend April Dykeman returns, and uh, she actually may be her first time on this show. She's been on my other show. Um, but, uh, she's going to talk about newsletters. Uh, as you, as you know, lots of people, you, in fact, Jonathan have a print newsletter, uh, the podcast mogul, uh, she's going to talk about digital newsletters and the sort of hidden power behind them. Nice. All right. Looking forward to that. And another copy chief radios in the can. We'll be back with you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Copy Chief Radio. If you like what you heard here and you want more, go to copychiefradio.com. This is the podcastfactory.com. 